jam yes or no uh yes it is a jam particularly because it is the first jam i can think of to in which the mc expresses her awesomeness in quantum terms uh i'm a big fan explain explain for the listeners well she says her her strengths propagate through space time here and there at the same time Mm. um you know much as an electron can be in different positions at the same time on the quantum level. I take that to be her explicit reference. Um, I think so. I think that's yeah. not, that's uh, obviously the point she's trying to make. Yeah. Um, uh, I am for the most hyper-intellectual boasts possible. Um, yeah. That's my job. Uh, especially uh, when you're calling someone out for only calling you when they need something. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. That guy's not propagating through space time. No. Um, no, Sudan archives. She was on my best of list at some quarter at some point. And yes, uh, she continues. Yeah. to rule. Yeah. You know, and, and this is a offer 2018, uh, album EP. It's somewhere EP. in the middle EP. Um, although people fucking call a 45 minute collection an EP nowadays. So I don't understand yeah. what the rules are, uh, <laughs> called sync. And uh, I just nominated this as a late, um, uh, jam of the summer because I just found myself so excited when I heard it come on the satellite radio. I queued it up uh, to get hyped, um, even though it's it's unusual as Sudan Archive is. Uh, she's a self-taught violinist and she uses it um, to create uh, some blend of of hip hop, folk, and classical beats. Um, which she uh, then proceeds to spit some cold fire over. Yeah. No, she is awesome. Uh, Really that combo of uh, thick bass drums and violins uh, is definitely going to always work for me. So uh, thank you, Sudan Archives. Please, uh, Please take over the world at some point. I'm glad to hear she's already taking over satellite radio to some extent. Um we need more of that. Yeah, this is her light. Don't block the sun, as she <laughs> says. Um, uh, Paul, do you have a jam of the summer? I realize I should have asked you this before the episode. And I should have thought of it before this episode. Um, you know, this uh, no is the short answer. I won't even go into the long answer. This is the fun opening segment. So, uh, no, I don't. My, my tastes do not conform to the seasons, in particular because I live in Arizona where uh, – 
summer is a time to never be outside at all if you can help it. Um, so the concept of a summer jam is sort of lost on us here. Yes, that's true. You have the monsoon jam. Yeah, that's just uh, that's just rainy music. So you can listen to you know like fucking Morrissey or Flying Nun or some shit. And uh, <laughs> yes, yes, um, <laughs> you know Morrissey could be the jam of the summer. I think that's the whole point of Morrissey is that you're very sad, but it's still the summer. Yeah. Um, spending long summer days indoors, writing frightening <laughs> verse uh, to a bucktooth girl. Yeah, then just just trying to troll all the woke people or whatever it is he does. Um, yeah, that's yeah. Morrissey's I, jam. I still like Morrissey. I think he. Uh, I think that just shows me to be a, a privileged asshole. But I love well, some Morrissey. I mean, you've been problematic for decades. Why stop now? Yes, yes, and you don't stop. Cool ID, best rapper, you don't stop. Another fucking hundred fucking dollar freestyle for you and your mind. Come on, yeah, you can never define anything but divine love. I'm a savage beast, <laughs> slightly above average at least. Nah, preference is relative. My reference is consistently uh, bring you to another vicinity. I hit you with the riddles consistently. Dead in the middle, a little triply. Little did we know that we triggered a fissure in the metaphysical imagery, elegant painted in oil. Love is a flower, see how. And welcome to Savage Beast. Uh, I'm Joe Gallagher, uh, and with me, as always, uh, dissolving 1,800 pounds of paraffin wax into 6,000 gallons of gasoline <laughs> to weatherproof his his tent. It's Paul McLeod. <laughs> Oh, you got me with that one, Joe. That is a <laughs> that is a deep cut. Uh, everybody, look up the um, I believe it's the Hartford uh, Circus Fire. Um, good Wikipedia article. Anyway. Back in back in the day when something was fire, uh, people just didn't know what to do. Uh, whether it was a ballet or an actual fire, they just had a riot and died. <laughs> Oh my God! No, uh, just uh, any any anytime you can look through uh, old fire disasters. Uh, another good one is the Great Chicago Fire. Truly amazing Wikipedia article when you read the build up to it. Nothing, um, nothing uh, to me. Nothing beats the molasses flood, the Great uh, Molasses Flood. It's that like is, that's a great one. I, the fact that there's no video of it is just. I mean, I know people died, but it was a long time ago. It's just such a shame. Like, what's it like to have a deadly flood of molasses? <laughs> well. The world will probably literally never see that again, and it's not on video. I'm surprised uh, that I'm, I'm surprised Radiohead hasn't used that that metaphor somewhere to great effect. <laughs> it's it would definitely fit. I, it's I don't know. I've never encountered any art that used that as a metaphor, but there has to be because it's it's a potent image. I uh, float down. Sure. I float down the molasses. <laughs> I float down Main Street real slowly. Um. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Okay. Um, speaking um, of our favorite bands and their music, Joe. Yeah, Paul, uh, on Saturday evening, this is Monday night. Uh, so two nights ago, uh, 48 hours ago, I was seeing the... Uh, mostly reunited Smashing Pumpkins on their arena tour uh, right yeah. here in beautiful Portland. Um, you know, as, as we uh, to bring it back to the weed episode, uh, as as we discussed, sometimes uh, 
things like that in the moment seem like absolutely the best thing that's that's ever happened to your ears uh uh-huh. and uh, that's certainly what the concert seemed like at the time uh and now i just realize it was a uh, just a just a really good time a lot of fun okay um uh no it was it was uh I'll I'll elaborate uh it was it was great to see the pumpkins I, had, I actually hadn't seen them in like six years um <laughs> which is crazy and I hadn't seen uh James Billy and Jimmy making music together for since two thousand so um yeah. it'd been a while uh you know and and I uh they were uh I was in the fifth row so I think that helped my experience a lot but it was a it was a great show I mean they played. Uh, probably uh, 25 uh, songs from their original, you know, SP1 phase. So Gish through Machina. Um, many of them were fantastic. Uh, I think I I I texted you that, uh, you know, they played Porcelina uh, right when the weed hit about half the crowd. Uh, people were people were just losing it into in the ether they were their their bodies were <laughs> were jelly for billy and james soloing uh Damn it. okay so that's know, the one thing i'm looking for out of a concert so yes, that's interesting to hear yeah yes and, and no it was it was uh you know and the whole arena was singing along to hummer which is pretty validating as a fan you know because it really is one of their best songs uh-huh. and to see that it's now fan favorite along with uh muzzle which they close the main set with i mean sure. is, is tons of fun um uh-huh. it's good to be you know i spend so much time thinking about this band it's good to uh have spent three hours just being a fan um and it was certainly worth it you know i i, I agonized over spending like somewhere around 150 for the ticket but you know they're not just like a favorite band they're like you know, my band for which I yeah. probably wouldn't like music as much. So it was obviously worth the time and money. And, uh, uh, yeah, up that, up that close people, people got into it enough. There were, there were definitely enough hardcore fans around me that, uh, my, I don't know, perhaps my, my head banging, uh, and air guitaring and screaming was annoying, but if so, <laughs> I didn't notice it. <laughs> All right. Uh, yes. Well, I'm very glad to hear that people were getting into it, and especially that you were getting into it. Yeah. Um, um, go yeah. ahead. No, I'll just say oh. they were still great. I mean, they are still, you know, they're they're yeah. a weird band, um, which is something we don't really talk about as much. But they're like weird dudes. The like that the audio visual show was very strange. Mark McGrath was in a video in a circus costume. There were a lot really? of tarot. Yeah, there were a lot of tarot cards with Billy's head. I don't. I don't really understand it. You know. That was that was fun as hell um, because they're a weird ass, uh, funny, silly. Uh, they they have a dark whimsy to them, as I think we have discussed, and um, yeah, and they can all still play, uh, especially Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy owns. There's no, there's really no uh, a question about that. Um, you know, I your your account of this concert has made me regret somewhat uh, dismissing the possibility of an arena show being worth 150 plus dollars um on the other hand i mean i don't feel too bad about it but i you've made me feel a little bit bad about not going so well done it would have been more of a hassle for me and that i would have had to go up to phoenix um which is a four-hour round trip to where they were playing but 
still. Um, I uh, maybe maybe next time. I mean, this is now I skipped Radiohead and the Pumpkins just because <laughs> they're playing in arenas. So that's literally like my two favorite bands that could be playing in arenas. Um, so I, uh, no other band is gonna convince me. Maybe if they do it again, I'll have to think about it. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it it's be worth it. They they might do it again. We'll see. It's yeah. possible, you know. I mean, especially because I really have never seen the Smashing Pumpkins play. Yes, that is um, the sad part. <laughs> <laughs> well, blame my parents. I could yeah. have seen them in their in their prime. But it's true. I, I That's didn't. true. Oh, well. um, so if you're one of the few people in California and Canada who still have a chance to see this tour, uh, go for it. Wait, where are they playing in California? Uh, I think they're in Oakland right now. They might be headed down south. I could do L.A. Yes. <laughs> to San Diego. Yeah. I am probably going to go see Tom York in Vegas in December. So that Sweet. will be cool. That'll yeah. be fun. I'm everyone. It's in my deciding whether to go to a show or not um mm-hmm. you uh, <laughs> uh introduced me to a fun article on jezebel why don't you explain explain yeah this dad crisis so um <laughs> there's uh there's an article on jezebel uh fine site as we all know and um it was a recap of an apparently extraordinarily long thread on the uh, Park Slope Dads uh, listserv. Uh, I'm not really clear on how that got organized or how you get invited. Um, I, I'm but, sure uh, Taylor is on it. <laughs> Our friend from Park we Slope. Should, we should have asked him. Um, and uh, uh, so one of the dads, um, beset as the Brooklyn dad is by the uh, perils of trying to make a living with a small child in New York City, you know, Housing prices, uh, uh, child care is expensive, can't really go anywhere. It gets fucking cold as shit, and then you have to be trapped inside a tiny apartment with a kid all winter. Uh, it's a tough life. Um, so, and then, you know, plus you're in the incredibly pressurized environment of uh, upscale Brooklyn. Um, but uh, so one of the dads faced the crisis of figuring out. Um, whether with his partner or wife, whatever, um, uh, coming up, uh, I believe, uh, on her, the beginning of her ninth month of pregnancy, um, uh, right about the same time as she was going to be a month out from delivery, uh, his favorite band Pearl Jam, which is a worthy, if not exactly, 
um, groundbreaking favorite band to choose, um, was going to be playing in Boston on this date. And he had to decide whether it was going to be permissible for him to go visit Boston a month before his baby's birth date uh, to see Pearl Jam for the 19th time. Yes. She's, she's 36 weeks pregnant, I believe. Yeah. The, yeah. And then the dads of Park Slope, uh, this kind of broke their brain, their, their combined, you know, logic slash social decorum uh, circuits, it seems like. Um, so, Joe, what are your thoughts about this dilemma? Well, I, I agree that I have some respect for, you know, having Pearl Jam be the band that you you love and go to their shows. Yeah. They still put a lot of effort into their their live act and they do things yeah. like And they uh, never they never became a bullshit sellout band really. No. You know, they just kind of kept doing their own thing whether it was cool or not. Yeah, and and they I know that like if they play two nights somewhere like they always change the set list up a bunch the second night. Um and I've always respected them for they had that one tour where they released CDs of every th- single show yeah. on the tour, uh, which yeah. is pretty badass. Um, so, I mean, here's the thing. I I love concerts. You know, it's probably my favorite, you know, out-of-home mm-hmm. activity to do. Um you know, it's, I, I don't, you know, I would, it's, it's been, you know, my passion since I've went to my first concert in 1996. Um, so, and I, you know, I've, I've been lucky to go to so many amazing shows. Like, you know, I could list them for a long time. Um, and I think that, my question is like at at some point if this guy's been to this many concerts i mean he has to realize like even if it's your favorite thing to do what is the marginal value of like <laughs> each extra concert that you go to yeah um yeah uh, yeah i mean you know and i i think that there's i was trying to think of it like as much as there have been all these great concerts that I've loved, like the Smashing Pumpkins concert I went to two nights ago, there've only been like a few concerts that I consider like such amazing singular um, art consumption experiences that I would, you know, be really sad to have not had them. You know, the I saw yeah. David Byrne and with, uh, um, you know, a, a Philharmonic orchestra in a small club or I guess like a 10 piece string section in a small club that's like my favorite concert ever you know when we saw Radiohead for the first time when they were on the Amdesiac tour mm. like that it just that provokes like a specific feeling in me to that concert you know not yeah. just like fun concert um and you know finally seeing Neutral Milk Hotel yeah like that that was one of a kind but like seeing like Weezer for the 18th time (laughs) I just don't get it I just I would just say no I mean just yeah you know Pearl Jam's gonna tour again see them then Pearl Jam is definitely going to tour again um uh yeah so I mean I think I think you're getting at the the point of um uh, by your logic and which I agree with uh it might not be worth seeing Pearl Jam a 19th time if it means you have to miss like the day's basketball game that you wanted to see. Um, to say nothing yes. of your child's birth. Yes. 
Um, but on the other hand, uh, so so that is is just plainly ridiculous. <laughs> like nineteen times to see Pearl Jam. Um, uh, I love Pearl Jam. I I love concerts. Uh, I have more. I could definitely name more concerts. Probably like a dozen that meet the criteria you were describing for a truly sublime experience. Mm. Um, uh, but I've never seen any band more than twice. Um, <laughs> uh, not that I wouldn't necessarily, if I see Radiohead again, that'll be a third time and a few other people, Sufjan, I'm on number two. Um, but, uh, uh, so on the one hand, yeah, 19 concerts of one band, especially a band, uh, that peaked 25 years ago, um, is, you know, excessive. On the other hand, if, uh, you know, let's, who's my favorite person I've ever seen? If like fucking Aphex Twin was paying, playing three hours away from me and my wife was a month from giving birth, I would think about that really hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that would be tough. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's why some of these, you know, for instance, Neutral Milk Hotel before I'd seen them, I mean, that that would have been a tough choice. Oh, absolutely. Actually, okay, wait. So, excuse me. That would actually, neither of those would have been a tough choice. I would have yeah. definitely wanted to go. Um, yes. The, yes, the, me too. The, yeah. the tough part would have been the conversation with my wife, which <laughs> I suspect is why this guy resorted to the Park Slope dad's listserv, because he was trying to get ammunition for the case to make uh to his woman which she got because everybody correctly pointed out that a the baby is not going to come a month early b if it does you're four hours you're a four-hour uber ride the instant you get the text from the hospital so the baby will not be out before you get back right um and so for those reasons alone i think go to the concert man if it's a concert if, if you want to go to that concert as bad as i can imagine wanting to go to some concert that i really love then uh go ahead and do it but mostly i just thought the article was hilarious because just the idea of there existing a park slope dad's listserv <laughs> cracked my shit up <laughs> um because i'm sure this is but a taste of the um hand-wringing uh neurotic worrying that goes on on that listserv every single day and uh i guess i'm glad those dudes have each other to support themselves because it must be a tough life yes yes it is uh the life of a park slope dad is is not an easy one it's fraught uh, <laughs> fraught with uh with um being both uh barely able to make ends meet in the ridiculously expensive city you've chosen and also feeling guilty for being able to make ends meet in the ridiculously expensive city you've chosen that is also full of 98% people poorer than you so um tough life but but you know hey you might end up uh uh you know buying beer in front of J- Jemima Kirk <laughs> And she might be wearing clothes. Who um, my wife, uh, who my wife re- like saw once there with her baby. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, I liked Jemima. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, Park yeah. Slope Dad's soldier on. Yes. Um, uh, Pearl Jam soldier on. Yeah, that's a given. Okay, Joe. Um, what was our next topic? Well, we're running we, through a lot of them today. We were gonna segue from that uh, briefly into the most ridiculous dad rock uh, <laughs> mashup concert I've seen in a while, which was <laughs> Alice in Chains, Stone Temple Pilots, 
the cult and Bush uh, seemingly all playing a show together near me. Um, I, I just, I found it uniquely uh, depressing to consider going to that show and the kind of good time one might have there. Yeah. Um, In 2018, as opposed to 1996. Yes. With two of the bands, well, we'll say one and a half of the bands doing lead singer karaoke. Um, Isn't it two? Does Jerry Cantrell count for AIC? Jerry Cantrell counts as as half for them. Um, And, uh, and, you know, one of the four bands is like a British. The Cult is a British band from the '80s, so I don't really understand how they fit into this lineup. Like, yeah, that is a totally different generation at of all. music. Um, but uh, good for them. That'd probably be the most fun part of the show. Um, but just the, hey, hey, fun trivia from Google just now. Yes, uh, the Cult was originally Southern Death Cult. Then they decided that was too specific, I guess, so they changed their name to Death Cult. And then that, too, was uh, refining the searches too well, so they went to just the cult after that. Very nice. Later, um, later they changed their name to A Cult, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually just to uh, C. <laughs> uh, the, so I just started thinking about what like what would be the most depressing of these lineups and i had a really hard time thinking of one more depressing than seeing like you know stone temple pilot karaoke Um, yeah so without without getting to your answer the criteria are going to be you need some bands that are really popular um at one point that have since become entirely irrelevant and preferably uh and, and not even not even like not popular anymore but not even well respected in re- in retrospect <laughs> and preferably having dead people uh in prominent positions within the bands in their heyday so uh, we're we're pretty close to that with this list i think that's the thing it's pretty perfect i yeah. struggled to to people hit. people allison chains was a good band uh, yeah. perhaps uniquely among this list but yes yeah i mean Yes, Stone Temple Pilots was uh, the equivalent of, you know, I I was happy to listen to them and was a fan-ish, but they weren't that good. Yeah, they'd probably be like, who's a rapper who's like listenable but not that good, like J. Cole or something like that? Yes, totally. Um, so, all right, so here's here's a few attempts. Um, first off, I tried to come up with just some some really terrible pairings. Just okay. like where you'd see two people on tour. Um, it's Eminem and Dido. <laughs> <laughs> where people are just hoping they play that one song. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, just, um, and then like uh, Hootie and the Blowfish and Alanis Morissette. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just like 96. Just Yeah. Uh, what you got bored of listening to on the radio with deep blue something opening um. yes um uh and then um uh dispatch guster <laughs> and bare naked ladies we have to put oar on this bill yes they have there to you be go. on this bill oh we could throw <laughs> vertical horizon in there too <laughs> might be a little late but there you go 
the thing uh, is, the thing real. is, like Dave Matthews Band definitely was supposed to be the headliner of that tour, but they yes. were too they they weren't uh, lowly enough yet to agree to do it. Um, Dave Matthews Band is just like sort of uh, they've floated off to become like the Grateful Dead. Oh yeah, that's that exactly generation. what they were always going to be. They're going to be yeah. Fish Grateful Dead for another thirty years. Um, I heard I heard an interesting interview with someone that. Um, Maybe this might have been on the 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 uh, Bill Simmons show, um, where it was like they realized sometime in the late '90s that they could just tour every single year and people would keep coming to see them. Oh, um, who was that? But maybe uh, I don't remember. Anyway, yeah, go then ahead. their their music like started to suck even more because they spent <laughs> zero time like yeah making any good music. I mean, does Fish release studio albums when? D- Fish is terror. Like Fish is the worst band that people have told me is good that I've ever listened to. Like it's it's crap. I can't imagine being high enough to enjoy just this like a- aimless guitar like yeah. rock noodling. To be honest, I really think I have avoided ever listening to Fish. I and I, I've known I about Fish well. for like twenty years, and yeah. I've never listened to them. I was like, okay, well, they must not. They must be kind of fun. And I was just like, oh, this is just gross. I think I was intrigued until I heard the Grateful Dead for the first time, and I was like, oh, Fish is off-brand. This, like, yeah, the no, great fuck the, that. I have heard. <laughs> I have heard several like good Grateful Dead jams. I'm not saying I'm gonna defend them as like awesome, outside of taking a lot of acid in yeah in barbiturates in the 70s, but um, Fish is just. So yeah. much worse. I can't even. <laughs> um, we'll have to listen to Fish someday on this podcast. Um, so, uh, so here's here's one that I came up with that I'm I'm pretty happy with. Okay, uh, it's Semisonic, Blind Melon, <laughs> Deep Blue Something, and the, and the Verve Pipe, all opening for the Verve. <laughs> okay, so the only problem with this list is that apart from Deep Blue Something, which we have covered way more than they deserve to be covered on this podcast, I actually still like all the shitty singles from those bands. Well, um, but Blind Melon are on their third lead singer. So that's true. You know, that's true. Died. But I'm saying, but, like, like artistic worthlessness is a really important factor for this. And like, like I like that semi-sonic song now better than anything by Stone Temple Pilots or Bush or the Cult. Um, yeah, that's. A, I mean, Stone Temple Pilots really and is really is the clincher for like. Yeah, you know, the Stone Temple Pilots minus the lead singer. Yeah, yeah, just truly. I know this song, but I don't think I ever really needed to hear it live <laughs> in uh, in 2018. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I think if you replaced, like, who could we replace Allison Chains with on this list who would be big enough to deserve the, the spot and, and render us truly um, um, unliked by future generations? Yeah, but, I mean, the problem is, like, well, I guess Soundgarden with a new lead singer. No, well, okay, but Soundgarden again was a good band. That's at true the, at, at a time. Yes, um, you need something like uh, 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 oh, oh, like Collective Soul. That's the oh, answer. that's perfect. There we go. You could also get live in there. 
Yeah, live would be an excellent replacement for Alice in Chains to make this just like imagine if you had seen this poster and it was live instead of Alice in Chains, you would have you would have like retched on the spot. Yes. Um <laughs> I think Live and Collective Soul have toured together. Well, it actually. it only makes sense. Yeah, they I mean, they probably all are. I think possibly I th- the two most annoying ubiquitous grunge songs uh were Lightning Crashes and uh the that collective song I walk up on high, whatever it's called. Uh yeah, yes. They both bring me back to when I liked all music from my <laughs> youth. I did like those songs at the time, but oh, like yes. we go back now and it's like uh Um uh I also think Counting Crows have toured with fake sublime which mm. Mm. see again like counting crows like kind of a ridiculous band but also kind of a good band at the same time oh yeah i'd go see counting crows I yeah mean, you know they they'd play long december get really teary-eyed yeah mr jones you know i don't hate that song even no. if it's way overplayed well all right sweep where we got we like we like counting crows <laughs> they came out on top of alice in chains they did. I, I, you know, I would say they're they're, they're, they're similar. And they came out on top of Bush. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. <laughs> of uh bands like the cult whose names are also the names of other things um you i believe had a frustrating digital browsing experience with a band name recently and uh, i'd like to to express your um extraordinarily modern angst about this for us yes yes um i uh uh heard a song uh, on KUTX, which is the uh, indie rock station I listen to the most through my Alexa. Um, it's out of Austin, Texas. Delightful, delightful station. Um, play a lot of good songs. Um, they played a song uh, by the band Chick, Chick, Chick. Uh-huh. Uh, and I wanted to look up the lyrics to the song, or I wanted to look up the name of the song, and I had some lyrics, but I the lyrics were too generic and it wasn't yeah. showing up and uh, not surprisingly adding three exclamation points to the <laughs> front or end of it uh, did not help at all. Um, which, uh, so which like search facilities were you using? To, well, I to first do I tried Google, uh-huh. um, which I, I couldn't really get it to show even if I spelled out, cause I wasn't sure how to spell chick, chick, chick either. I, um, I would go with CHK three times. I've, that's how I've yeah, seen I was, it. I was written. putting an I in there and that was wrong. Uh, um, and then I tried to do it on genius, which I'd hoped they maybe even, even like added a little exception for it, but no, yeah. I guess they're not popular enough. Um, so I couldn't even really like search for the band on genius until 
I like went to the radio station's website and figured out that, like they had like what they had played <laughs> and figured it out from there. Um, well, thank God you didn't have to call and talk to a human like our forefathers did, which would Jesus. have been the worst of all possible outcomes. No, no. Um, uh, you know, I wanted to add the song to a Spotify playlist. So, you know, I had to figure out what it was. Yeah. Um, Spotify's algorithm should have figured out how to do that by now. Yes. Uh, so I was frustrated, um, even though the song was good. And I know that what you do in your professional life uh, involves a hearty chunk of SEO. Um, yeah. And I felt like we should finally discuss in full terms um, <laughs> what would be a truly terrible um, bad name for SEO purposes. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm glad that that's how you wanted to take this because that's how I took it. Yes. Um, so first of all, a lot of bands have, uh, have fucked this up. And the reason, the way, the way you can fuck this up is by making your name, uh, basically be something else more popular. So, um, there are a lot of bands like, uh, that just have plain common terms as their name that, um, uh, make it tough. So, you know, uh, indie bands of a more recent vintage, like tennis and war on drugs. Um, those might have tough trouble sales as a band I was listening to today, even a classic like Nirvana. Um, definitely a concept that means something else to, uh, more people than it means the band. Um, so you're saying my band, uh, the easy weeknight recipes, <laughs> not yeah. gonna have any a good time you would be fucked now the thing is with almost all of these um you can just put the word band on the end and you'll get the right results so it's not fatal you can put tennis band you'll get there war on drugs band um you'll get there even you know nirvana band easily will get you there and basically if you become famous enough you can overcome this problem because um google will sort of be able to figure it out pretty quickly I think if they hadn't become famous, the ultimate un-SEOable band name would have been The Band. Um, yes. <laughs> who just uh, followed closely by The The, um, because search engines actually just straight up ignore the word The. Uh, so that's actually, they just pretend you didn't type it in, basically, when you when you put it in there. So that's pretty good uh, right there. Um those are all those are all strong contenders. But again, if you're famous enough, you can overcome this and just adding the word band deals with it. Um, but, yeah, go ahead. Well, what, what am I what if I'm so punk that I I, I don't want it to ever be easy to find? Okay. So I, I we're gonna get to the impossible SEO uh, names in a minute. Um you also have problems like chick chick chick. Like I think they're actually a stealth it's hard to do worse than just three punctuation marks because punctuation marks like the word the are just ignored by search engines generally. Right. Um, so that's pretty good. Um, some bands of course want to use just plain words of common objects for their name, but they have good managers or something. So they figured out that you can both brand yourself, make yourself good for SEO and, uh, uh, uh just seem kind of cool by misspelling your name creatively. Um, churches so churches is the ultimate one always uh a l v v a y s is a classic um of course the originals perhaps probably there were some before this but the beatles mm -hmm. um 
very clever ahead of um, their time yeah the monkey well the, uh, not that much ahead because the monkeys were around the same time um and another modern one of course is the weekend who dropped one of the three e's uh from his name uh, so that all works um but uh i agree um another thing you can do is you can name yourself after a more famous work of art so like uh, it's not really the case anymore, but like the band Shu Shu was named after like some Chinese work of literature or something. And for a while you would just get the Chinese stuff. Um, but there, there are some terms I think that could not be overcome for SEO. Um, so I've got a number of brainstorms, but I'm going to start with one that actually exists, which I think is yacht. Um, they're pretty close to being, I'm sure if you do it, it'll actually show up, but like a yacht band could just be a band that plays on yachts. So even oh, if you put true. band on the end of it, uh, you're not necessarily going to get there. But it looks like Google has figured that one out. Um, but I got a few other ones here. So uh, one is uh, lap, because if you search for lap band, you're just going to get the bariatric surgery <laughs> technique. Uh, yes. Rubber um, would definitely fuck you over um, wow. if you tried to name yourself that. Uh, we're getting even more difficult house because not only house band, that's going to be a useless term to SEO yourself for, um, but house music will also be impossible to get rankings for, uh, since it's a whole genre. Um, radio is perhaps too easy, but that's going to fuck you over entirely. But I think the ultimate one that you could just never, ever, ever get ranking the, the top rankings for, um, uh, just because not only is this already another term, but lots of people will want to get the rankings for it. it literally tens of thousands. Uh, wedding uh, or reception. If you named yourself that, um, you're yes. fucked. You are never yeah. getting to the top of those rankings. Wow. Wedding band? I mean, yeah. my yeah. God. It means, not, it means two things that are more popular than you will ever be. Um, <laughs> that's that's it. That's the perfect one. Yeah. Um uh, for I also was thinking about you know some not everybody is a band so uh, as a bonus I thought of terms for rapper that would never uh, get you ahead um, if you called yourself black you're not going to rank very well um, white same thing uh, and then lastly wannabe uh, any of those rapper names <laughs> or SoundCloud yes oh god you're totally fucked if you do that <laughs> uh, that would be amazing um <laughs> uh wow yeah wedding band i like it yeah uh, that's and, a, that's, and wedding music doesn't work either you're totally fucked either way wedding is a is a pretty good name i think house band is a great name for for a band yeah i'd, I'd be into that yeah um yeah that's better <laughs> that's better than the ones i thought of uh, oh what did the, you have oh, the other ones were uh the travel deals <laughs> and uh the kylie jenner makeup tutorials <laughs> but see those but, are all good but unfortunately you could just put band on the end and yes. you're gonna win <laughs> I, also, I also wonder if uh using an emoji for your band name how that would do but oh oh you're so fucked yeah you're so fucked I if thought, you do like, that three crying laughing faces yeah uh, in a row I mean, it, it's basically the same problem as the the uh the chick 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 uh have but um, i mean if you if you google if you just type three exclamation points like you get no results oh really Google's i haven't even like, tried fuck this <laughs> yeah yeah so. <laughs> you, you get literally no results <laughs> yeah yeah so that's a Fantastic. pretty bad one <laughs> what happens with an ellipsis let's see 
nothing. Wah, wah. There's also the band like Sun. Oh, uh, with all the shit on the end, yeah, they're yeah, fucked. But I, I, that's more because I don't like. I don't even under like can't ever remember like what's on the end of it. It's it's, it's close parentheses, as I recall. Yes, it's an O with three close parentheses. Yeah, you're you're ne- that Google just ignores these things. I Which just tried it, and I just got results for the Tottenham player whose uh, last name from Korea is Sun. So. I got if you if you manage to type Sun and an O, then you you do get the band. Oh, okay, uh, but apparently, uh, it's you're just supposed to say Sun. Well done. Um, well done. Yeah. Well, I like you said. I think there are definitely some punk people out there who want to never, who want to be ungoogleable. Um, so you know, uh, with like House, uh, you know, there you can pretty much put any genre as your band name. So like, if you called yourself punk, like you know, it's never going to happen. But I like House because it's not just a genre; it's also uh, a type of band. Uh, yes. Um, wait. Sun sounds like a pretty fucking awesome band. Why have I not listened to them before? Because uh, they're metal, Joe. So yeah, it's kind of like it. there's a there's a twenty percent chance that they completely rule uh, the yeah. way I feel about Swans, and there's an eighty percent chance that you're just like, why is this guy singing like this? Um, uh, their style is characterized by extremely slow tempos, heavily distorted guitars, avoidance of rhythm and melody, and alternative tunings. Uh, uh if you they, if you add rhythm and melody i could probably be down for it <laughs> they use resonant feedback to create monolithic soundscapes percussion is almost never incorporated <laughs> okay joe sun is on our next podcast yes list. we should I'm at least excited. have a five second segment of saying yeah it's fine um okay i'm pretty excited that we found the worst possible name for uh a band in Thank SEO. You. Good job. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, all that being said, yeah, we get to our main topic, which is uh, actual music. About, yeah, talking about two uh, really good uh, recent reissues. Joe, that was uh, that was some free ass jazz. Um, this is uh, by a guy named Alan Braufman and his uh, three fellow players. Uh, it's a reissue of a live recording from uh, I think it was 1975, definitely the 70s, um, in the semi-famed 
underground free jazz venue of the time at 501 East Canal Street. And uh, Joe, this this album, when I played it, uh, while my wife and I were getting ready to go out a week and a half ago, uh, she informed me that this was the worst music I had ever made her listen to in our <laughs> in our 13 year marriage of me liking music that she hates. Um, so uh, yeah, um, free jazz, not for everybody, but uh, also not often for me. But when I listened to this, I just was like, damn. This uh, this is kind of what I want jazz to be, just like really wild, um, but also heavily rhythmic and melodic at the same time. Like I appreciate that this jazz drummer uh, uses his snare, which I feel like a lot of times they're just like, oh, I'll just use the hi-hat instead. Um, and I like a little more oomph in my rhythm sections. Uh, but generally, um, uh, I don't know. I've never really made myself sit down and get into free jazz. But uh, this was an album where all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, there's other free jazz I've liked before, but it it sort of uh, made sense to me in a way that I don't feel it always has. Just being able to sort of understand how um, the different people in the band were uh, playing with a common structure, but at the same time, uh, fucking with it. I mean, you can particularly hear that in Braufman's saxophone, um, the way he'll sort of play a theme and then do weird variations on it that you can tell are different, but that makes sense. So um, I don't know. This music is wild, which is what I love. Yeah. Uh, you got to you gotta love that if you're uh, going to listen to any free jazz. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I first, uh, the first time through with this album, uh, I definitely had more of a feeling, well, this is good jazz. Uh, I didn't necessarily um, see uh, something that made it stand out, except that I was very tempted to go back and listen to it again. <laughs> and uh, by the third time, uh, I think I'd really been taken in by the um, the themes of the album. Um, mm-hmm. I know it was recorded live um you know, and you, and you really just sense uh, that, you know, that the 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 group is playing together really well, and there are these ideas of sort of happy alienation that float through the whole thing, and and you don't, um, you know, I think what I ended up liking about it is that it didn't seem like an album where there were like twelve songs. They're trying to make all twelve songs like. Uh, this amazing, uh, you know, standard or jazz epic. It's like Mm -hmm. the the album flowed together um, and was pretty subtle at points. I mean, I think that's another thing with free jazz is that it can can be too free and can be (laughs) over the top and you're just being bombarded by, you know, technical virtuosity and, um, you know, wild imagination. And this is like, okay, it's free jazz, but it's used for a very low key point. Uh, and it's, um, you know, beautiful and thoughtful. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, um, it feels like songs, even though there's obviously a lot of instrument or improvisation going along. Um, and, and even though, um, there's an awful lot of just blowing on a fucking whistle, uh, at times. <laughs> um, 
But uh, did you read at all the New York Times article by the Nabil of the title of the song we just played? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So um, uh, whoever is publicizing this extraordinarily obscure reissue uh, is really doing their work because they managed to get a uh, a personal essay about it into the New York Times, um, which I figure that must increase the sales of an album like this by like 50 fold. If you can do something like that, um, just because you're starting from a very low number. Um, yes. But uh, uh, it's a really interesting article by this, the guy who was the nephew of Alan Braffman, who made the album along with his buddies. And um, he used to visit 501 East Canal Street uh, all the time back in the day where his uncle lived and performed for like, basically it sounds like a bunch of hippies paying two or three dollars to get in the door and sit on the sit on the floor while they listen to some weirdos play jazz. And uh, I don't know, it's cool that an extremely um, an extremely micro genre scene like that could still have a life 40 years later just because the music actually is good. So uh, it's it's actually one of those rare inspiring God. things that still occasionally happens in the world to me. New York bit. New York used to be so fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's the article is funny. It's like, yeah, you know, it was really poor and um uh everything was dirty and dangerous, but uh we did have this rad ass jazz music in the seventies, so uh yeah everyone who i mean new york is still cool now but it's cool because all this stuff happened there in the yeah, past absolutely. um yeah no it's great and, and you know to to your wife's defense i mean i think that i would have a hard time with this if i didn't um yeah you know wasn't familiar with jazz and free jazz and hadn't you know uh sort of happened to be exposed to a great deal of you know jazz history oh yeah and, i mean this uh, is weird music and to be yeah. honest i it was one of those things where i didn't remember how weird it was when i put it on because uh, it was like the first time i'd listened to it since i bought it and it was also during the second track which is the least tuneful of all of them so you know fair enough normies uh normies can have their their uh, aversion to the wildest possible experiments from 40 years ago Yes, put on put on some early Coltrane next time. And, uh, <laughs> better luck. Um, uh, yeah, great album. Uh, I really do. Uh, I I recommend it. Yeah, I don't know if we said the name of the album. I think we did, but just to be sure, Valley of Search by Alan Braufman. Check it Fant- out. Oh man, I love the name of the album. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, let's move on and talk about our other reissue, Joe, which you selected.
that was never said from uh, Liz Fair's uh, classic epochal, yes, of '90s grunge, Exile in Guyville, uh, recently uh, remastered and re-released on Matador. Um, where to start with this album? Uh, <laughs> it's obviously a uh, Rosetta Stone. Uh, for um, maybe that's not maybe it's like a the Gilgamesh epic of uh, third wave f- feminism. Yeah, <laughs> no, I was just I wasn't gonna go that far. I was just gonna <laughs> say, um, of uh, you know, female uh, led alternative rock bands. Ah, um, yes. I think it's probably that is third wave f- feminism. Is it not? I, I th- like in its entirety. <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm being. I, uh, I I'm see. Being problematic. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I do associate those things together, but just because they happen to sort of be happening at the same time, maybe. Um, um, go ahead. <laughs> you know, '90s Liz Fair is conflicted by by your approach. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um. Uh. So you know, and I, I think that I. I uh, I'd heard this album alluded to, or I'd read about it uh, many times. I mean, it wasn't something that came up, uh, you know, on my playlists like in the '90s or even in the 2000s when I was really discovering a lot of great uh, '90s indie music. Um, and uh, just, I think that's specifically because it was um, probably much more popular among women than men, and that's not yeah. anything inherent in the music. Well. Well, it kind how, of to, how to how to yeah? <laughs> it was an album written um, from uh, with a really strong female narrator in the songs, and I think it became a touchstone for a lot of um, you know and a really female strong f- female narrator talking about how dumb music nerd guys are that she knows. Yes, <laughs> yes, um, and objectifying guys uh, left and right. Um, <laughs> And, you know, actually, and also uh, really talking about sex in explicit terms that uh, no very little 90s rock does, uh, no matter who's making it, um, unless it's, you know, just straight up crotch grabbing, bragging, yeah. or just absolute sad sack Well, um, I mean, it's it wouldn't be out of place on a, a two live crew album, but... Uh... Yes. <laughs> Well, and and there's sort of a a, a realism to it here yeah. that is um, uh, striking. Um, uh, for instance, the album's most popular song, uh, "Fucking Run," where mm-hmm. she's like, "I want," you know, I, the the general idea is like, "I want a boyfriend," but like, boyfriends suck. Like, what you know, kind of. Just the normal, like, I want a relationship, but I don't know who I would actually have it with. And um, versus a song like Flower, which is just, <laughs> you know, how she wants to be uh, shitty guys, um, blowjob queen. Yeah, um, that's that's the two live crew track. Yes. I want to fuck <laughs> you like a dog. I'll take you home and make you like it. Um, <laughs> you know, to have a 90s rock girl singing it. Um uh, I would say obviously sixteen year old Joe or when this album came out I was uh 
a little younger than that. But, you know, when I would listen to it in high school, I'd probably be completely unprepared for that level of, uh, you know, female sexuality. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have just been like, what what things can I do so that I meet Liz Fair? Because <laughs> yes. that's like <laughs> what I want to hear from a woman. Um, yes. Obviously, Liz Fair would not be have been enticed had I somehow engineered that. I am not pretending yeah. that. But uh, uh, yeah, it would have been very exciting had I listened to this at the appropriate time. Um, yeah, that you know, and, and uh, there are songs uh, like that, like "Girls, Girls, Girls," um, where she's kind of like terrifying in her bravado um, and and how much she can kind of. Uh, you know how much she is a rock star among uh her her circle um and she she can use what she has um and uh yeah then of course the the music is uh really catchy pop grunge I'd say that every so- song has this really strong idea in the guitar riff and the melodies um, uh, are just sing-alongable, mm-hmm. um, and that uh, is is that she's able to take all this emotion and energy and make it a catchy uh, pop rock album is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, uh, so like you, I had heard about this album for a long time before I finally listened to it in preparation for this podcast. Um. That again is because I'm problematic, but, um, the, uh, uh, I kind of always knew I would like it, but I just never got around to it. Um, and you know, people like Sadie Dupuis from Speedy Ortiz are big, uh, fans of this album. And so it was, uh, interesting to finally get into it. You know, I'd heard it had a big influence on a uh, whole uh, whose album we talked about a while ago and which I thought was great. Um, but it turns out it's not nearly as like, you know, grunge in the sense of sort of being like, you know, bitter, angry, loud guitar music grunge um, as a uh, whole is. Uh, but it's super weird and interesting. It really does fit almost better in the lo-fi scene and that mm-hmm. they're just sort of like, there are a lot of songs that are just weird guitar parts and singing uh, and the singing is usually sort of monotone and tuneless, um, but in a way that works. Um, but uh, yeah, like the songs are just like sort of strange. Um, it was definitely a weirder album than I expected. Um, yes. I kind of I kind of expected more anthems and uh, uh, sloganeering, but really that's what you get from feminist music now. Uh, it's actually, you know, whenever mm-hmm. uh, Liz Fair is making a feminist point, she tends to do it with like the the loudest emotion she uses to express those kinds of things tends to be like just really, really uh, a dripping sarcasm, um, which you get a lot of in this. But you don't get a whole lot of uh, telling off per se in the sense of like, you know, calling out or something like that. Um, there's some, right. but it's it, it tends to be a little bit more veiled. Um, and so it's actually a more interesting, uh, uh, sort of, uh, well, I would, shouldn't say more interesting, but it's a different, uh, flavor of feminism than what, uh, I was sort of expecting to get, um, which was cool. Uh, it's still certainly, um, very, um, 
very much informed by the idea of not letting the male bastards uh, get you down, but she tends to be a little bit more subversive in the way she reacts to them. Um, and maybe that's out of uh, weakness that didn't allow her to be just directly strong about it, or maybe it's uh, just her way of dealing with it. But it's, uh, it's a clever, interesting little persona uh, she puts out there, especially when you start to read about the background of the album. And it turns out she says, like, you know, she, this is just an album she wrote for, like, a few people in her little Chicago indie music circles where she was just basically hanging out with people who went to indie shows. And uh, she was trying to impress them. So she made this right. album and never thought it would go anywhere. And then it became <laughs> uh, this landmark album. And what's interesting is that it almost seems to have... Um, you know, with her subsequent career, uh, it doesn't seem like she wanted to be some sort of lo-fi indie hero. Uh, she tried yeah. to make pop songs, and basically, um, even her biggest fans, uh, I have I, I searched and searched, and I could not find anybody saying anything nice about her latter discography, including the Pitchfork review for this reissue, which came out uh, just three months ago. Like, I checked it literally says nothing about her subsequent albums in the whole very long uh, review about this album. Um, and uh, if you look at the Pitchfork reviews for uh, like her self-titled album or the one that came before or after that on Pitchfork, you know, at the time in the, in the aughts, like those are some of the cruelest reviews I have ever seen on the site. It's, yeah. uh, it's pretty bad they, they took, <laughs> what they, apparently I, happened to her. One of them, didn't they give a zero to one of them? Yes, I, I, I was reading that one. And it's like, it's, you know, they used to do this a lot. They did it to the Pumpkins and Nine Inch Nails too. Um, but just like where they're just like, it's a it's a contest to see how, how badly you can make fun of how bad this album is. Which, uh, you know, we've done that to the 1979 who totally deserve it. So I get the attraction. But um, uh, it's uh, it's really interesting the way her sort of career has gone on from this. Yeah, I mean, it, she obviously, you know, did not expect, as you said, this to be uh, something that, that, you know... Would be reissued get. a quarter century later. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and it was not... It, it's... You can almost tell that. I mean, you, you know, that, that it has yeah. that throwaway quality, that it has. It's just seems so fast. I mean, it seems like it could have been written in a week. Maybe it was written... I think it was written over a pretty short period of time and um, just happened. She happened to capture something in that moment um, that, uh, you know, was, was, uh, was, I don't want to say it was luck, but right place, right time. Yeah. Um, uh, well, it's cool I, that she ran into Brad Wood, who went on to have a great career producing a lot of music we love, including yes. That Dog and many other <laughs> yeah. things. Yeah, I think we have to talk about the fact that uh, That Dog's Retreat from the Sun, uh, produced by Brad Wood, is like so clearly just them trying to make yeah. an album that sounds like this, like down to stealing the producer. Yeah, um, A lot of the harmonies on this album are like, just like oh this is just on a that dog album <laughs> yeah and and the same sort of like flat female singing um that uh yeah i mean it, it sounds like a liz fair impression almost the way that uh anna waronker sings on that album which i mean you know it's if you want a sequel to this album retreat from the sun is uh not a terrible place to go not at all 
Um, By but, all accounts, uh, better than the other Liz Fair albums, which I yes. haven't listened to. <laughs> um, but you know, this I, it is great that this album like lives up to the hype. Um, totally, and is really if you enjoy indie music from the '90s, and especially if you enjoy all the amazing rock music that uh, women are making today, uh, grunge music, uh, you should definitely uh, go back and listen to this one. Yeah. There are a lot of good songs. I especially like their weird acoustic songs that I like a lot. Like, uh, I forget whether it was help me marry or glory was the one, but also, uh, among the more full band type songs, uh, I really loved Stratford on guy, which was one of the more, uh, popular songs from it apparently. Mm -hmm. Um, so definitely check it out. Liz fair fucks is, uh, is the case. She certainly does. (laughs) (laughs) well if you like content like that give us five stars on itunes hey liz fair would appreciate that joke um anyway uh yeah give us five stars on itunes and hook up with us on twitter where we're savage beast pod we're also savage beast pod at gmail.com and savage pod.com so those are all good places to do that kind of thing joe i need to to update the website yeah me too it's been a real booyabaz of an episode, mm. and I like it that way. Yes. Saucy.